Welcome back to another episode of Schoolhouse Rocks. Welcome to Schoolhouse Rocks. It's who we are. All right, thanks for listening to our latest episode of Schoolhouse Rocks. Today we are going to focus on what I think is one of the most inspirational and really innovative programs that's happening in the public high school space, um, recognizing that years ago, uh, any sort of vocational, pre-vocational, or exposure programs really moved out of uh, comprehensive public high schools and moved more towards vocational learning environments. So I'm really excited to talk about our response to that as a learning community. So before we describe what I'm talking about and get into the details of what we've been doing here in Roxbury High School, I'd like to invite my guests today to introduce themselves. Hey everybody, my name is Matt Maughan. I'm the supervisor here at Roxbury High School of Science, Engineering, and Visual Arts. Hey, Frank Kakavell, Structural Design and Fabrication teacher at Roxbury High School. John Q, I'm the Master in Residence. I'm a builder and here to help. Uh, my name is Ryland. I'm a senior in Roxbury High School taking the SDF program. Uh, hi, I'm Derek. I'm also a senior here at Roxbury High School taking the SDF program. All right, awesome. Thank you, gentlemen, for joining me. So our focus today is our SDF program that stands for Structural Design and Fabrication. And a, a mere six, seven years ago, this was just a glimmer of a hope, glimmer of a thought. Um, school district recognized that we had a large unusable, unusable space. It really had turned into storage. It was once an auto shop. Um, and for a variety of reasons, auto shop programming wasn't really a sustainable reality. And we started to ask, what could we do? Our community was surveyed about what their interests would be and what we should do with this huge learning space. And the voice of our community, which included students, parents, and teachers, was very loud and supported two specific ideas, the one of them you're going to hear today. The one you're not going to hear about today is a revamping of our robotics program. And as a part of that design of that space, our robotics team got a much upgraded and much needed laboratory space for them to work on their builds and their learning experience. But the preponderance of that space went to structural design and fabrication with the idea that we were someday going to build tiny homes on trailers and donate them to people. Uh, it was a great idea, but uh, as we very, very quickly learned before any of you were a part of the conversation, it was really not a feasible reality. And we were left kind of scratching our heads. Where are we going to take that thing? How do we make our goal of offering students access to a multifaceted approach to home building a reality in our high school? Uh, we started to frame out what it would look like through a variety of conversations, but the real key was finding the teacher. We needed to find someone who had a vision and an aptitude to make this thing a reality. You're going to hear from Mr. Cacavale. We needed to find a partner to help him um, with, the, with the nuances of home building. John Q., who is here, is going to talk to you about that. Over the last couple of years, Mr. Moen has joined the team and really helped provide some, uh, some leadership direction to where that's going and partnered with these guys. And then more importantly, we, we followed the mantra... Hopefully, we were hoping to follow the mantra from Field of Dreams. Uh, if you build it, they will come. And we're here, joined here by two students who are part of this program and really making uh, what we're doing a reality. So, um, Mr. C, you were the first one on board here. Let's give us a little bit of history. I want to talk mostly about the project you guys are engaged in, but give us a little bit of the little taste of the history since you're the one who really made this thing a reality. Yeah, so our goal uh, through building this program was to create a space where our young students could practice lots of different kind of construction and more building trade skills. And one of the things that we really focused on early on was 
We wanted to see, was there an opportunity where we could teach these great hands-on skills in a way that they were really doing something kind of more meaningful? So uh, we started uh, in our first year doing more sample projects, things that were taken apart. And there is still in our introductory course, uh, which is primarily taken by our 10th and 11th grade students here, some of that, uh, because it is a really great educational experience. But we were able to then create the program that we now have, or the partnership, I should say, that we now have with Mars Habitat for Humanity, where we're taking this educational opportunity. And it's not just running wires for the sake of running wires. It's not just uh, putting some PEX pipes in for the sake of, of practicing with that. And it'd be a great educational thing. But now, not only is it educational, but it's also meaningful to our community. So our students are working uh, together on building a home. It's been part of a two-year project with Mars Habitat for Humanity, where we're building a two-part modular home here in the school parking lot. And students are doing all facets of home building, whether that was the framing, the siding, the plumbing, the electrical, the sheetrock, the painting, and everything in between. And then that home will eventually be moved to the current uh, one we're doing, to 398 uh, West Dewey Avenue. It's here in town, uh, close to the Wharton edge of town for those familiar with it. But this program uh, and this project is really unique in that not only is it something meaningful, but it really is truly meaningful for our community because eventually, uh, in just a few short months from uh, now uh, at the time that we're doing this podcast, a family is going to move into that home. Uh, and likely they're going to have children that are going to become part of our Roxbury Gales family. Uh, and, and it's such a unique project in that regard. Awesome. So, John, let's talk about your role here. Um, you know, when we were designing this program, I knew from the beginning that we needed the right teacher. We needed a special educator with a vision who could um, be flexible in their thinking, um, work to design an experience that meets the needs of a wide variety of students, recognizing, though, that, that it would be completely unfair to expect that individual person to be articulate in all of the skills we needed to teach to our students. Well... Once Frank was on board and started to hammer out the details, he had established a relationship with you through Morris, Tap Morris Habitat for Humanity. And I mean, you talk about the stars aligning in almost perfect harmony. I can't think of a better example than this program. So talk about your role and kind of how you came to partner with Frank to make this vision a reality. Sure thing. So yeah, the stars really did line up. Um, I was a formerly a project manager with Habitat for Humanity. And when COVID came around, it became very difficult for both my wife and I to work full time. So one of us had to take a step back, if you will. And Frank called me up maybe, geez, I think I was just three weeks out from um, resigning from Habitat for Humanity. He goes, John, you know, um, I'm sad to hear you left Habitat for Humanity. How <laughs> Would you like to join us over here? <laughs> we'll, we'll make it work. One way or the other, we'll make it work. I'm like, you know what? Crazy idea. Sure, let's let's give it a try. And I could relate. It's it is tough to be the one on the spot to have all the answers. At Habitat, it was mostly just a one man show with a one person show with all the different volunteers, the trade partners, the inspectors coming, and um, and you're responsible for building a home. So when you have more than one and varied backgrounds, it's easier to make sure that we are giving a quality education to the kids that do sign up for SDF. All right. I love it. And so let's hear from those students. Um, you know, you guys have had a variety of experiences. Talk about why, you know, a couple of things. Why'd you sign up for SDF? What, what 
piqued your interest? I mean, I feel like in our high school, we have uh, such a wide variety of opportunities for students to engage in. Why, why pick this class? And looking back on it, what have you learned? Would you recommend it to others? And what have been some of the highlights for you so far? Uh, you know, one thing that definitely stuck out to me was uh, I grew up from a construction family background. Uh, my grandfather owned Malloy Construction in Long Valley uh, that my father took over. So I always grew up, you know, knowing how to do that stuff and uh, just going into class and being able to actually build something that means something to a lot of people in this town and community is definitely something that I could be proud of. And uh, it really makes an impact to me personally. Uh, and I definitely recommend this class because, you know, there's a lot of high school kids out there that don't know what they want to do yet. And I feel like the structure design and fabrication course definitely guides kids into knowing or get an idea of what could be their future. So as Ryland was saying, for kids that don't know what they want to do, this could be something that sparks interest in them. Like me personally, this isn't something that I would uh, pursue in a career path, but these are some skills that a lot of kids don't know how to do. And I feel like it's a good opportunity for kids that want to learn these skills, like learning how to wire a whole house. Like no, no kid in Roxbury High School probably knows how to do that. So it's just a lot of good stuff to learn. And it's a great opportunity for kids, especially kids that don't like sitting in classrooms all day and they like to do stuff that's hands-on and learn besides just math, English, science, and they want to learn stuff with their hands. So I do recommend this class. All right, I'm going to jump on what you just said, and I'm going to pass it to you, Matt, is, you know, one of the things Derek just mentioned, and it was really some of the mindset behind trying to design this program was, you know, you have that typical game of school, right? You, we have this mentality that has often been promoted that students, you know, as you mentioned, you take math, you take science, you take social studies, like what, that's what school is for. And I would, I would say that those are incredibly important experiences for students, um, whether they directly resonate with their future or just with meaningful learning opportunities. But as you mentioned, students require all sorts of different opportunities and experiences. And this one is certainly unique, um, you know, amongst the the sea of other things kids could could pick to be a part of. So I like that you've identified the fact that this really does diverge from a very typical learning experience. And so one of the ways that we're able to kind of keep that going is through a variety of partnerships. And a lot of that, that vision and the support that both John and Frank get is from you, Matt, as the supervisor. So let's talk about kind of your role, how you think this program fits into that typical structure of a school, because I would certainly describe this program as atypical. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the details that go into keeping this thing afloat. Yeah, so it's definitely an atypical course. Um, I was actually in the course two days ago observing Mr. Kakavalf, one of his uh, required observations, and I was working with Ryland and Derek, and they were installing wire in uh, the studs of the house and putting in electrical boxes. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, you know, my shed at home needs electricity, and I'm observing them, and I'm watching them put the wires, and I'm like, you know, this could be a great spring project for myself, I'm going to pop back in here in the next few days. So, you know, um, that's just one of the things this course offers and we continue to try and push is these are practical skills that even though it may not be a student's, you know, desired post-secondary um, option, it's still applicable in their life later on, whether they're helping their family at home um, or when they become homeowners themselves. Um, I can't tell you how important that is. I wish I would have had a course like this. I find myself on YouTube a lot. Uh, but so I think that's just to start off some of the benefits they give. Um 
But one of my roles here is to really, you know, take it to the next level with the students and expose them to all the possibilities we, we can do uh, to best set them up for the future. Uh, throughout the course here, what we have, we do numerous field trips and we have numerous partnerships with um, you know, individual organizations who have been so wonderful in donating their time and resources to exposing students to the trades. Some of the examples we do is we visit Lincoln Tech every year to, uh, we bring the students over there and we do a whole tour for the day to get exposed to all the different industries um, they offer. This year we added on uh, to our partnership UTI. We took a trip out there um, to kind of learn about their institute, what they offer the students, and you know if, they, if that resonates with any of our students. Every May, this is a new uh, trip we've been going on um, since last year. We go to the Construction Career Day down in Edison. Um, it's a full day event where students get to meet over 40 vendors of the local union representatives in New Jersey. Um, and they get to have you know a first one-on-one -on -one discussion with these different unions, get business cards and start building that um, you know FaceTime and relationship with them. And then last year we had a wonderful opportunity to go to the Carpenters Union down in Edison and really got a behind the scenes tour for what it looks like if you were to pursue the union. And I think uh, this is an eye-opening experience, uh, Mr. Cacavell, I would say. Um, we got to see this, the actual students in the classrooms working and kind of got a behind-the-scenes tour. So that's what I like to bring to this, um, you know, to really just what can we really expose students to with this industry, not just, you know, have it stay here in Roxbury. Now, one of the things that I've been fortunate enough to be able to do is uh, Mr. Cacavell and I have uh, partnered to present on this program I don't know, more times than I can seem to remember, you know, um, on a statewide level. And that we always seem to get the question like, well, how could you possibly make that happen? And the reality is there was a huge commitment from the Board of Education administration, as well as our business office to ensure that we had an adequate learning space for the program. And I can admit that that was challenging in the beginning because we weren't quite sure what we were going to do. So how do you design a space for something that is unknown? And, you know, I do want to thank our partners, Morris County School of Technology, who we partner with on a variety of different pieces. They were very welcoming uh, to have us join, um, come visit them, see what their facilities look like and try to make a hybrid facility for ourselves. Um, but as, as you mentioned those partnerships, Matt, I, you know, I do want to, you know, give a special recognition. I mean, Frank puts in countless hours to earn donations and support from probably more vendors than we could itemize here. Um, so f do you guys want to talk a little bit about um, some of the things that go into establishing those partnerships, maybe some of the yield that has been uh, actualized because of those partnerships? And I think it's important to do, to, to do that for two things. One, it's, I think it's important to recognize the individuals who have helped us along the way. But two, one of the questions Frank and I have gotten is, how do you financially keep that program afloat? And the you know, through conscientious, deliberate budgeting within the school district, but really through the reliance on partners. You know, we, we've been able to, I say we, because the school district really benefits from it, but Frank has really worked hard to solicit and, can, and establish a continuation of a wide variety of partnerships. Let's talk a little bit about that aspect of our program. Sure. Uh, if I could just real quick backtrack, just you were talking about the facilities and that facility space has kind of changed. I mean, overall, it looks similar but we have figured out different needs, different ways that we needed our dust collector at different spots, different spots we needed outlets. And I want to just throw a quick highlight. Our building and grounds team led by Peter Riffle just does so much to really help make these things happen. And, you know, when, hey, we thought we wanted this eight months ago. Now we want it this way. All right, we'll figure out how we can do that and, and just how great they are. But those partners that we do have outside of the school, uh, and they are plentiful, you know, almost too many to, to say here. 
Uh, but that's been really great for so many reasons. One of our largest is we are the first and to this day only student chapter of the National Association of Home Builders and the National Kitchen and Bath Association in the state of New Jersey. Uh, and that includes both high schools and universities that would have that opportunity. We're the only school or uh, educational facility to take them up on that offer. And that's been a really great partnership for uh, John and I to get some professional development, uh, as well as to learn about what's going on, create uh, some connections for internships, for uh, employment after high school for those that seek it, uh, as well as some of their vendors, uh, General Plumbing Supply, for example, Jewel Electric, uh, Fister Fawcett being some of the ones that really go above and beyond in their support of this program and getting us those materials. And they're doing it for a variety of reasons. So many of these great partners are helping us to not only be able to, to run this program, to educate our students, to make this Habitat house, but they're also helping to ensure that our students are learning with real products, what they would really see out in the field. So they're helping us get those tools and helping us to make those connections, uh, which has really been a wonderful thing. And I think to piggyback off that, you know, to establish these relationships in the beginning, it's all about just outreach. Um, if you ever met Frank, you'll realize Frank is such a personable, friendly individual. Um, when he reaches out, he builds a relationship off the bat. And then I would say, Frank, we're kind of relentless, right? We always follow up with uh, individuals. We're always doing our best to continue that relationship and foster that. Um, so I think, you know, to get started, I would recommend, you know, just build it reach out and then keep the, uh, you know, keep extending the hand out there and you'd be surprised who comes um, bearing gifts and bearing support. Yeah, it, we definitely do get a lot of no's, to be honest, <laughs> but how wonderful it is that, you know, so, so many people, uh, when we do make that phone call, uh, you know, New Jersey Exciting Window was one of the very first that when I called them and said, are you interested? They were like, heck yeah, we're interested. Local and business, found ways. Roxbury yeah. owned. Yeah, Roxbury uh, grad is the owner yep, even, yep, yeah. Yep. So, all right, John, I just want to ask you a question and get back into the classroom a little bit. So, you know, Frank is, shall I say, a classically trained educator. Um, and your experience <laughs> is different, right? It's not from the classroom. And so was there any hesitation in that partnership with Frank, recognizing that there was this different expectation of so the clients, so to speak, that you'd be working, right? right? Your experience at Habitat, you're working with adult, largely adult volunteers, who are have reached out to you, Habitat, to be a part of that project. This learning space is very different, right? You're working with um, students um, and who really largely have zero formal or prior experience with what you're going to work on with them. So is there any hesitation? And talk to us about the growth that you've experienced in the partnerships you've made with the students and with Frank in that learning space. So... Yes, I mostly agree with everything that you said, but at Habitat, we did get um, people who had really no experience, and um, we jokingly say sometimes we get people that maybe have no business being out there, but their heart is in the right place, and so we typically say at Habitat, you know, as long as you have a pulse and you're willing, we'll take you. Uh, so it could be anything from girls from a all-girls Catholic high school to highway construction workers, everything in between. One time I had a group of attorneys, and yes, the day did go all right. Um, and we are just, so in a way, um, I am a, like a teacher out there, a teacher of construction. So making the transition to the school wasn't too bad of a transition. It was kind of nice seeing the same faces every day versus seeing a different group of volunteers every day. Um, but it's has its own 
challenges, how to connect with a younger group, a younger audience, how to cater to the different needs. Some students are thinking about going to medical school versus others are thinking about jumping into the uh, work environment right after high school. And then how to share my experiences and my knowledge in a meaningful way. I like to think that I'm a walking case study of, you know, maybe if something like this were available at my school years ago when I was in high school, or if somebody took me under their wing and said, you know, John, you might be good at this. You might like this better versus my um, counselor, knowing my older siblings had gone to college, said, John, you know what? Nope, you're going to college. You're going to do this. Okay. And uh, end of story. So um, not only am I sharing the technical aspects to the students, but I try to share my personal experiences as well. All right. So you're, you're kind of fast forwarded to something I want to talk about, but I'm going to grab onto it right now, which is that idea that the future that awaits students post high school graduation largely has been prescribed to them. While that may not be the reality, oftentimes it is the perception, this idea that after high school, you're going to college, like it or not. Um, I certainly know I shared a similar experience to you. That was the narrative from the beginning. It wasn't like, well, how do you feel about that? Um, and so one of the things I think we're trying to achieve with this program and through a lot of different approaches that we've taken here in the school in different programs is providing learning experiences that are super diverse for our students and allow students to have a voice in where their future is going and what courses they pursue to help actualize that future. And my hope is that it validates the idea that after high school, you could do anything you want, right? We say it all the time. You can do anything if you put your mind to it. Well, I don't know if people still say it all the time, but they once did, right? I feel like we're really trying to live that. You know, um, this program is, has a dual credit partnership. You know, there are options for students to earn credit or at least connections with as Matt mentioned, Lincoln Tech, Universal Tech Institute, Thomas Edison University, you know, and those are college-bearing credits. Those are opportunities for students to make meaningful connections in the profession. But more importantly than that, and I want to go back to the students, you're also making professional connections. So I want to talk about that because you get to work with other professionals in the field, right? It's not just, you know, John and and, and Frank. It's, um, we have plumbers, electricians, we have you know, folk, local folks who come in and work directly with you guys. So you get to make those professional connections should you be so interested. You also, we haven't talked about it, but you've earned other professional credentials. I know one of the first things you did was earn OSHA 10 certification, which is a professional credential you could go right into the workforce with. Um, but more importantly than that, those connections with those professionals and the leadership that you have from the three gentlemen who are here, you're the ones building a home. Right. So let's like soak that in for a second. Students are building a house, like an actual residential home that people are going to live in. And I think that when Frank and I talk about that, that is often the most um, concerning question we get. People are concerned about that. Like, well, hold on. But they're not really doing the building, right? Like they're they're like learning it. No, students are doing the building under very specific guidance and observation. Um, we still go through all of our um, municipal um, requirements. We have yeah, all the inspections yep. uh, and things like that. So I want to talk, I want to hear from, you know, Rylan and Derek about that. You know, like, w tell me about that responsibility. Tell me about those interactions with plumbers, electricians, like the people that are also coming in to help support the program. What, what's that mean to you personally? And maybe perhaps post high school, you, you kind of alluded to it, Rylan, but let's talk about that. Like, how does that fit into your future goal vision? 
Uh, it definitely fits in a lot because, you know, before this class, I had three years prior construction. You know, I've been working it for a while. And uh, it's kind of cool because, you know, like our plumber, for instance, Georgia Plumber, uh, I, you know, I actually know him outside of uh, structural design and fabrication. I coach his kid in lacrosse and I've seen him on the job side a couple of times. So, you know, like while seeing these guys show up to our school, you know, it's kind of cool because it's like in a way I have a personal relationship with them outside of just this program. And, you know, like everybody knows each other in the building world and everybody helps each other out and has a connection. So it's just pretty cool to see like as a young kid to have these connections and sort of in a way friendships, you know. And, and I mean, to a certain degree, to have someone like Mr. Cacavale, you know, John, Mr. Mullen, validating your personal interests and not having that experience that John just described, like, nope, you got to go to college. Like college is your future. Like th- tell us what that means to have that that vision of your future validated by your school as opposed to, I, I hate to say it this way, but it's probably the truth for lots of students, just kind of yes the school to death until you can get out of there and then go do what you have always wanted to do without them standing in your way. Yeah, no, definitely like Mr. C and Mr. Uh, Martin have definitely like, uh, you know, said, if that's your vision, you know, go with it, run with it. And, you know, a lot of teachers here at Roxbury High School too. Uh, one teacher I would like to give a shout out to is uh, definitely Miss Monero, uh, you know, who is in the business industry. Uh, you know, I remember telling her about that and intro to business, made a whole business and everything. And, you know, she fully supported it. And a lot of my guidance counselors, you know, they supported me not pursuing not going to college if I had this dream. And, you know, they always tell me, you're, well, you're one of the most students that sound determined to do this. So do what you want to do. That's amazing. And Derek, talk about your experience, because you already shared that you have a little bit different post high school plan. So but you're still here. You're still out there in the cold, pulling wires and, and, and picking up these skills for yourself personally. So let's talk about from a different perspective, how this experience has fit into your future vision for yourself. Yeah. So learning these different things, wiring, plumbing, how to fix just things in your home, how to change an electrical box, how to work a circuit breaker, these are things that you're going to need for the rest of your life. And who knows one day if, if your parents can't do it and you want to go help your parents, you don't want your parents paying four or $500 for someone to come and fix these things when you can do it for them. And it's the responsibility that is given to you when you're in this class is Mr. C and Mr. Q aren't hovering over you, telling you what to do. They teach it to you and then they tell you to do it. And then obviously they'll check, make sure everything's okay. But a lot of this responsibility is on yourself to complete these tasks correctly. So I just want to kind of allow that to be a significant point of the conversation here. It sounds like, and I know I'm trying to set you up for the next comment here, but I am. It sounds like you acknowledge your teachers really trust you in what could be a really challenging environment. And so tell me how that helps to liberate you guys to be able to meet their expectations, right? One of the things I remember when I was a principal was that t- students used to say all the time, I want to know that my voice is heard. I want to know that I'm trusted. I'm hearing that loud and clear from you guys. And tell me how you're able to utilize that trust and voice to achieve greater success in the class than if the mentality was like, well, let me do that for you. Let me show Let me do that. Like, let's talk about that. Yeah. So if you need help with something, obviously you ask and they will come right over and they will teach it to you. They, they won't do it for you. A lot of it's on your own, and that kind of gives you the sense of I can do it, not relying on someone to help you with everything. And I feel like that kind of helps you later in life when you're older. I can do it. Or if you have kids and you want to teach your kids, you know, Mr. C and Mr. Q give you that 
like lesson, like of how to show you, like not only are they teaching us how to build the house, but they're also teaching us these skills that we can pass on to younger, like our, our kids or nephews. It's, it's really something special. Uh, yeah, to piggyback off of that, you know, Mr. C and Mr. Martin have a lot of trust in the students here at this program. You know, there's, there's been days where I haven't even talked to them while I'm out there working. And then, you know, there's some days where I'm like, I, you know, I can't figure this out. So it definitely like pushes students to make their own creative mind and over and troubleshoot problems that they interfere with in the real world. I love that. I love that. And knowing that you have the freedom to explore in your learning, but it's in a safe way really does make me feel confident and comfortable about what we're doing. And reaffirmed that our commitment to this program is something that has long term sustainability um, as really a service project to our community, but really super valuable learning opportunities for you guys. So as we kind of close this down, I'm going to you know open it up for any last thoughts. But also, if there was a student, a school, a community that was like, listens to this episode and is thinking, how could we possibly build something like that in our school district? What advice could we give them? Maybe I can invite each of you to give one piece of advice um, about what that could look like. I know what mine's going to be, so I'll say it first so I don't have to have the last word. I'll let our students have the last word. My advice would be, listen to the voice of your community when you consider building new programs. That's the first step we did, right? The money can be figured out. The space can be figured out. The, the people can be figured out although each of those present their own challenges. This whole thing started with the voice of our community, our students, our parents, our teachers saying, this is something we recognize is missing, but we want it. Now go do it. And we were able to. And I think the next important step is to begin the process, right? It's very easy to get caught up in the what ifs, and then we'll delay it, we'll delay it, we'll delay it. Um, but, you know, uh, Frank and I have really, you know, we, we, we've been faced with some challenges and it may seem like this is not possible, but by taking little steps and little steps and little steps, uh, you know, eventually that mountain gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And then we're looking back and it's accomplished and we're over that mountain and we're doing what we said we wanted to do. So I think it's just taking that step and uh, not being afraid to lean on others for support when you need it. Yeah, I think my major advice would really be just uh, to the instructors or the educators that are leading this, uh, and it could even be really applied to the students, but don't be afraid to get out there and try to learn something new. So uh, this is the only home I ever built was the first one we did together. I'm on the second house. You know, it's the only two that I've ever built personally, but I went out there and, you know, went and got some OSHA certifications and some OSHA trainings and and got involved with the National Association of Home Builders and certainly have been in my fair share of webinars and in-person classes on codes and things uh, about excavation or learning about things that are way, way over my head. No pun intended with that excavation thing, but uh, trying to figure out, okay, uh, if I could just learn one thing from this, then it was worth the drive here. It was worth the evening out uh, and just trying to better myself professionally uh, to make the best program we could. Looking from the outside, looking in, because um, by the time I came here, the ship was already sailing. You guys were doing, you know, great. Um, the partnership with Habitat for Humanity, I think that's been a big piece of this. And I think some ideas have come from that side as well. Um, I only see just other benefits coming from from that. So don't don't be afraid to be on your own. Look for help outside of the school and um, you'll be surprised what you could find. 
um, you know, from a student standpoint, uh, watching this course and being in it, I could honestly see this course in maybe six or seven years kind of turning into one of its own Votech, you know, programs. You know, obviously we have our sports medicine program here that kids all over the county come to. Uh, you know, you have Morris Hills that has the automotive and Knowles that does the dance program. You know, there's nowhere around here that really gives the opportunity like we do. So why not be able to expand this out to everybody in a way? Going off of what Ryland said, you know, this is something great that I've honestly never heard of until I was in high school and my mom said, I think you should do this course when you're older. And I was like, yeah, yeah. And then in my gym class, I saw them doing it in the, um, the intro class, building a ticket booth for the football uh, stadium. And I was like, I want to do that. So I think every school in New Jersey should at least have something, or even every school in the nation should just have something that works with kids, teach them these basic, not, well, not basic, but skills that you will probably need when you're older. All right. Well, I mean, listen, that's an in, a little bit of an insight into what we, a program we're really proud of, but you know, a lot of hands have contributed to making this thing successful. I want to thank everyone who joined me today and invite anyone who's listening, who's thinking, hey, we really could use something like that in our school district. Reach out. We're happy to help support. We're happy to share ideas, tell you how we got where we are and continue to encourage students to demonstrate interest in this program. You know, we, as a school district, we're re responsible for um, catering our program to the desires and interests of our students, our learning community. And I think that this is a direct, uh, direct uh, outcome of that, of that interest. So um, we look forward a couple months from now, we're gonna have our second house on the ground. Uh, and soon after that, people living in it. So thanks to, uh, you know, Mr. C., Mr. Mon, Mr. Martin, all of our students who have contributed, uh, including students who graduated last year who were a part of building the first half of this home. You know, I, we mentioned it earlier, this is a two-year project. So there are definitely students out there who contributed to part one of this home. Um, and so we look forward to bigger and better things as we continue to uh, refine this process. Thanks for listening.